Welcome to The Entrepreneur's Doctor. My mission is to help you, the entrepreneur, to create a healthier, happier world. And I'm Beirouz, I'm a public health doctor, preventive medicine physician with over 20 years of international experience, having trained at Harvard and in Oxford, and I'm here for you. Look, I know the struggles you face and many startups either fail or struggle with adoption, access to resources, to people, to data, and then spreading across internationally and all the regulatory hurdles. I've created a checklist for you. If you'd like to learn more about something I call startup therapy, do go and check out my website. It's www.entrepreneurs.doctor and you'll get free access to this checklist. It's a prescription essentially to help you self-assess, to diagnose, treat, and better yet, to prevent some of the issues that you'll face when it comes to the health sector. I hope you find it of value. More importantly, enjoy the show. Welcome to The Entrepreneur's Doctor, where we're here to help through our interviews, through our content, help entrepreneurs like you uh, to improve the health and well-being of the population. And we do that in many ways. And today I'm joined by Professor Terry Huang, who is based at the City University of New York. He's the founder of Firefly Innovations and uh, professor and director of the Center for Systems and Community Design. You've got a tremendous background, Terry. Welcome to the show. Um, I'd love to just give some background as how to how we met. And it was back in December, just a few months ago, where you had one of your Solvathon events tackling, uh, well, helping entrepreneurs and innovators uh, bring their challenges with their startups, with their ventures related to mental health and loneliness and isolation. Um, so I, I love that. I mean, what, what's your vision? Tell us all about you and what you're trying to achieve, Terry. Welcome. Thank you so much, Bruce. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here with you today. Um, yeah, so we launched uh, Firefly Innovations um, about uh, just a little bit over a year ago um, at the CUNY uh, School of Public Health. Um, and um, uh, to my knowledge, it's really the first public health entrepreneurship platform um, out there uh, housed uh, in the School of Public Health. Um, it's uh, the entrepreneurial process, I would say, is uh, relatively new uh, to the field of public health. Um, and we started this um, really because uh, there's so much need um, to uh, really accelerate um, the fostering um, of innovation as well as the scaling up of innovation in public health. Uh, traditionally, public health is very reliant on grants uh, from governments and foundations uh, to uh, engage um, in R&D. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, these mechanisms, while you know, important and useful, uh, often lead to projects you know, suddenly ending after a three-year or five-year grant period. Uh, and uh, more often than not, you know, whatever that is uh, being developed, uh, you know, through the uh, grant project uh, just kinds of, kind of dies, you know, at the end of the grant. Um, so very little actually gets scaled up um, and really end up, you know, affecting uh, the largest possible population. So uh, with that conundrum in mind, um, you know, we thought about uh, the potential uh, utility and opportunity uh, to really integrate the entrepreneurial process um, with, uh, you know, public health uh, research and practice as a way to 
you know, uh, one, be much more agile um, about sources of funding to support public health R&D, and two, um, to really uh, begin to think about, you know, how we can, at the outset of any new project, new idea, um, already, you know, having uh, strategies uh, for scaling up, you know, what might come out of um, a project and how to really uh, maximize um, the public health impact and footprint, you know, uh, at the population level. So that was really kind of the um, number one impetus um, for uh, establishing uh, this public health entrepreneurship platform. And, um, and so we've done a lot uh, just this past year. And uh, uh, we now have, you know, ongoing uh, hackathon or designathon or solvathon uh, events. Uh, they're all meant to really crowdsource uh, innovative ideas and uncover um, the public health entrepreneurs, you know, out there. Um, and uh, we also have a summer accelerator program um, that is focused, um, you know, uh, uh, on slightly more mature, uh, you know, projects and teams. They're still early stage, um, but they need to already have some kind of prototype in place. Um, and they, you know, we select uh, a, a small number of uh, teams and ideas, um, you know, every summer, and uh, they go through a 10-week uh, intensive uh, curriculum, uh, at the end of which um, their product, you know, uh, their prototype should be uh, in uh, a more advanced stage. Um, they will have done, you know, some degree of customer and market validation, um, and uh, they're, you know, that much closer uh, to being market ready. So, yeah, so um, in, in addition to our, you know, um, uh, action-oriented activities, uh, we also have um, an education pillar. Uh, we are a graduate school of public health and health policy after all. Um, so education is very much part of our DNA. And we recognize um, that there needs to be a tremendous amount of education, not only for public health students, um, but also for people outside public health, right? Because what we are forging is essentially a new, um, you know, interdisciplinary area. And, uh, and, and we need to bring, uh, you know, people from both within public health as well as outside public health together um, to forge the future um, of this new path. And so in that, uh, in that light, um, you know, we uh, have developed uh, uh, both a for-credit and uh, not-for-credit uh, courses, lectures, workshops um, that we host year-round. Um, and that uh, endeavor has been uh, really quite successful um, in it. And, and many of the, you know, um, uh, lectures and, and workshops um, that we host, you know, uh, routinely, you know, uh, sometimes multiple events, you know, per month, um, you know, they really are beginning to draw in um, a, a much larger crowd, um, you know, uh, from really different walks of life, you know, diverse sectors, because one of the silver linings of everything being virtual uh, these days is that your, you know, your audience is, is, is the globe, you know? So when you put on the event out there, you advertise it, uh, you, you don't know who's gonna sign up from where. Uh, and that's been actually quite exciting because we've been able to collect some uh, like-minded individuals um, that perhaps during normal times, you know, we would have never, um, uh, you know, been able to come across. Um, and now we're connected, you know, uh, because of, of these virtual events. 
So, uh, so that's the education pillar, and we're you know every year we're adding uh, new programming. Um, at the moment, uh, we have a whole series of webinars um, on the future of healthy aging, uh, for instance, where we're uh, featuring uh, speakers from uh, different fields, researchers, uh, folks who are in in, in the industry. Uh, you know, people who are, you know, really on the cutting edge of um, R&D um, and, and, and venturing. And uh, in the spring, we'll probably, uh, you know, pull together a panel of startup entrepreneurs uh, who are actually developing products and solutions uh, to address uh, uh, the aging, uh, uh, aging problem. And, um, and I, I, so, you know, that's just a little advertisement of uh, some of the current activities uh, that are fresh on my mind. Um, and then the last pillar, the third pillar uh, for uh, the public, our public health entrepreneurship platform is what I call strategic science. Um, so research is really what we do best, um, you know, traditionally uh, as a graduate school of public health. And, um, and I, I think that public health brings a very unique um, a set of skills um, around monitoring and evaluation. Um, and that's something that I think we can really um, see a lot more of um, in the social impact space. Um, and so we're particularly keen on a number of things. We're keen on providing some, uh, you know, customized uh, 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 research, um, you know, support and services um, to the ventures uh, that we work with. Um, ventures that we come across, you know, whether through our hackathon events um, or through our accelerator program. But um, in due course, you know, as we really begin to build up a large portfolio of ventures uh, within um, our platform, you know, we'll also want to be in the position of actually documenting their impact. You know, what exactly uh, is the impact of the entrepreneurial process overall? Right, so thinking about the kinds of metrics you know that could be uh, developed, uh, maybe standardized, um, you know, to uh, look at a public health impact of, um, you know, uh, through the entrepreneurial process specifically, uh, I think will be a very important next step. Um, and you know, in the long run, we really want to be at the forefront um, of. Uh, uh, tracking, um, you know, the expansion, the growth um, of this, uh, uh, you know, new uh, interdisciplinary field, um, and we, you know, aim to do so uh, in uh, uh, an empirical manner. Uh, and then, you know, I think a, a third component um, to the strategic science um, uh, uh, pillar um, is, uh, you know, thinking a little bit more deeply uh, about the health needs of the entrepreneurs themselves, uh, something that I know uh, um are also thinking a lot about. Um, you know, uh, entrepreneurs often work in, uh, you know, very uh, intense and high-stress, uh, you know, environments, um, and uh, many of them do um, have uh, mental health needs and chronic disease um, issues. Um, and there's actually really not a lot of research uh, uh, to date uh, focus on this uh, unique population. Um, so that's an area that we can potentially explore together uh, down the road. Yeah, happy to. Thanks, Terry, for sharing all of that. I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, typically innovate, not so much innovation, but entrepreneurship is a bit of a taboo subject when it comes to public health 
where we're all about promoting equity and, and, and all that, especially here in the UK. And I was having this conversation just the other day with Dr. David Katz from your neck of the woods. Mm -hmm, um, sure. And he's, you know, he was based at Yale uh, University as well. And he was actually pro, I mean, he's been an epidemiologist, a public health physician, now turned uh, entrepreneur as well. So um, I'm curious about your thoughts on that. And then in relation to that, bringing, you know, I'm all about taking the public health mindset out to entrepreneurs and bringing them in and helping work with them basically to add value to health. But the conversation I have typically with most or what I hear most from entrepreneurs wanting to do something in health mm -hmm. is number one, it's healthcare, which is only about 10% of what determines our health, as you know. And um, the whole focus, and it's probably because that's where the money flows the most, uh, but it, the whole focus is on electronic records, it's on digital health, and not much on that 90, the majority of what determines our health, the social determinants, the environment, public health issues that you and I uh, know too well. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on this intersection of the taboo area, but also how um, uh, entrepreneurs can get into real yeah. public health issues. Yeah, uh, great set of questions. Uh, there are several uh, embedded um, in what you yeah. just said. Um, so, I mean, I think you're absolutely right that, uh, you know, historically public health uh, is seen as uh, really, uh, you know, the business of the public sector, right? Um, you know, solutions for public health issues um, usually are uh, you know, considered to be exclu exclusively um, in the realm of the state, um, you know, so government interventions, uh, essentially. And, um, and, and I think that the public sector uh, clearly plays um, a very important role um, in uh, public health responses. Um, you know, the COVID situation is, you know, puts this in really stark contrast, right? Um, that, you know, you see some governments doing extremely well, but many governments are really failing um, at uh, managing the crisis. Um, and so what the government does, what the, what the state does, you know, uh, obviously has uh, tremendous implications for the well-being of the population. Um, but it is also true um, that the public health conditions that we um, are faced with uh, in the 21st century, mostly chronic diseases, um, non-infectious diseases, are so complex. Um, the, uh, you know, heart disease, cancer, uh, diabetes, obesity, you know, these are uh, conditions that affect, uh, you know, really, really large percentage uh, of the population uh, in most countries around the world now. Um, and yet the de determinants of these conditions um, are so complex uh, in, um, in, in origin, in nature, um, in, 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 uh, in how they interact with each other, right? So social, political, environmental, economic um, uh, factors all contribute um, to the uh, development uh, of these uh, chronic conditions. And, um, and so uh, when we really take a step back uh, and think about how complex you know, this overall system really is uh, that determines and drives you know, these really the biggest uh, you know, uh, uh, health burdens um, you know, on society today, uh, one quickly realizes that the solution to tackle um, this complexity, you know, can't be the responsibility of just one actor, right. right? And so as a result, you know, when we say health in all policies, um, health is everybody's business, 
you know, we mean that. We mean that it is everybody's business. Every uh, actor, every sector uh, in society uh, has a role to play uh, in helping to address, um, you know, these challenges. So um, I think that, uh, you know, from that perspective, um, it is then not too far of a stretch, you know, to arrive at a point where we realize, okay, we need to be a lot more strategic here about how we leverage the strengths and assets of different stakeholders, um, both those who are in the public sector as well as those who are in the private sector to figure out what kind of innovative um, you know, solutions, ideas uh, we can come up with um, or come up you know, in parallel, you know, but all towards serving um, the uh, you know, solving uh, these challenges um, that just have been, um, you know, so uh, wicked in some way, you know, yeah, I use absolutely. the word wicked, meaning yeah. that they're so resistant, you know, to change. And so, uh, so, so that's one thing. And so that's really how I, you know, sort of uh, trespass the traditional bounds, you know, of academic public health, at least, um, and, uh, and have begun to argue that, hey, you know what, you know, I don't want to throw out uh, the way, you know, uh, the baby with the bathwater, right? I mean, a lot of tools, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, concepts that we have um, in public health are still very useful, but let's expand the toolbox, right? Let's add, you know, additional tools, um, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and develop, you know, new ones, you know, by working um, across uh, fields, across sectors. Um, and I think that, that, that this, this paradigm shift, I think, is starting to catch on. You know, I see it in my own students, for example, Right. So these are, you know, people in their 20s and 30s, um, you know, graduate students, uh, and they're uh, a lot more agile. You know, they're in, in many ways, they're much more uh, real world friendly. You know, they don't live in the ivory tower, uh, like many professors do. And, um, and they, even if they can't fully articulate the complexity, um, you know, they understand and appreciate the complexity. And they know that when they graduate and they go out there and they want to make a difference in the world that they can't stay in their own little silos. So the students are actually uh, demanding change. They are asking for, um, you know, uh, action-oriented skills uh, that can help um, do a better job at changing the world. Um, so I think that demand is there and we're really just, you know, uh, responding to that demand in some ways um, and offering uh, a more expanded uh, toolbox um, so that they're trained not only in the, you know, conventional uh, public health skill set, um, but that they all, they're also gaining exposure um, to the entre entrepreneurial mindset um, and the set of uh, strategies and tools um, at uh, an entrepreneur's disposal, right? So that when the students graduate and go out into the real world, you know, they'll have more to work with. Um, and not all of them are going to become, you know, entrepreneurs and, and, and create startups, um, but the skill set um, and the mindset, you know, are more important than anything else. And, and, and those they can bring into any organizational organization uh, traditionally public health or not, um, and um, be in a better position to create change. 
So that's a good segue, actually, Terry. I'm putting a link uh, below for Firefly Innovations for anyone who's interested in learning more. And I completely agree with you. You know, when I've been teaching, for example, medical students about public health, reminds me of me 20 odd years ago, I start begin to shut and they're like, oh, p-values and all this. But as soon as you start talking about innovation, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, their eyes widen and I teach them the same things. Mm. <laughs> it's just called something else. And then yeah. similar thing to public health students, they completely don't uh, appreciate it. I'm talking about the ones that are a bit more mature than the 20 year olds, perhaps. Mm -hmm. It's still new to them, but as soon as they realize that they need these skills for developing public health anywhere. Even being a good researcher, you need to have good skills. So a segue back to you, actually, what inspired you? Because I know you started with undergraduate psychology, but what led to where you are today in helping entrepreneurs? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll try to be quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, gosh, uh, undergrads, you know, that's like, what is it, uh, 30 years ago now. Um, <laughs> So, no, but uh, I think that even during uh, my undergraduate years, um, I always had this predisposition um, to, uh, you know, uh, think and be interested um, in interdisciplinary ways. Um, so as a student in psychology, you know, I got really interested in health psychology, which was actually just emerging, um, you know, back then. Uh, and, um, uh, and, and, you know, and the kind of fundamental, the foundation of health psychology is to really integrate, right, the mind and the body uh, and uh, drawing in different disciplines to really understand, um, you know, how uh, uh, the mind and the body work, you know, synergistically to produce uh, health or disease. And, uh, you know, I, um, uh, because of that exposure and, and sort of at the beginning, um, uh, you know, the, the fact that I was beginning to realize, you know, my own sort of leanings, you know, uh, in terms of what, what interested me, um, I began to look at uh, public health. Uh, I began to look at preventive medicine, um, uh, you know, as uh, potentially sort of a, you know, alternative, um, you know, academic field, uh, you know, that I could pursue rather than continuing on um, in psychology, you know, in graduate school, which was my original plan. Um, uh, so, you know, upon graduation, um, I basically did just that. And uh, I went on to uh, the University of Southern California and to pursue my PhD in uh, preventive medicine and, uh, and, and, you know, got my master's in public health uh, along the way. And, uh, and I think that that was a really great decision for me. Um, I really, uh, I think, found a nice, uh, you know, uh, uh, interdisciplinary, you know, uh, bastion, <laughs> if you will, uh, you know, uh, within which I could um, think more broadly uh, and think more um, in a more systems, you know, manner uh, across, um, you know, different areas, uh, across different disciplines, borrowing frameworks uh, and methodologies, you know, from uh, a variety uh, of fields. And uh, uh, fast forward, you know, many years, um, I uh, found myself uh, leading up uh, uh, 
the Pediatric Obesity Portfolio um, at the National Institutes of Health, uh, the National Institute um, uh, of Child Health and Human Development specifically. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, um, and it was, you know, at that time, I think we were sort of in the midst of moving from what I call Public Health 1.0, uh, which was this very um, in individually oriented approach um, to public health, uh, you know, problems and solutions, um, to public health 2.0, uh, which was all about looking at environmental and policy factors and interventions to address public health. Um, and uh, so we were in that midst, um, and in that midst, um, you know, some of us, you know began to really say, you know what, it's not really either or, right? It's really all of the above. And what is really key is to think about how individual level factors and environmental and policy factors um, actually connect, right? How they actually work together. And, uh, excuse me, my earphone just uh, fell okay. off. Um, and so, uh, so that was when I think we started to, uh, you know, build uh, this, uh, uh, you know, kind of the next phase of public health 3.0, uh, which is this systems approach, um, you know, that I've been sort of championing uh, for, you know, the last uh, 15 years. And, uh, and, you know, and, and the whole area of system science, um, which is not new, right? Engineers have been using it for a long time. Ecologists, computer scientists, you know, they've all been aware of system science. But in medicine, in a public health, that term was still very new. Yeah. And, um, and so I was kind of at the forefront at the NIH um, to craft what this system science agenda might look like uh, for public health. Uh, and, um, and over the course of many years and many, you know, uh, NIH-led uh, initiatives, um, you know, we have now, I think, mainstreamed uh, the concept. Uh, it is now being taught uh, more broadly as well uh, in public health schools. Um, and, um, yeah, so, so, so that, I think, you know, personal and professional journey, uh, you know, now that I've told you, I think, you know, that really makes makes this whole uh, situation, you know, really much more understandable. Uh, and it, it's not then, you know, far-fetched to see how I then, you know, went from there uh, to kind of the launch um, of Firefly Innovations um, and the embrace, you know, of the public health entrepreneurship platform. Uh, and then so, you know, Fast forward a little bit more, you know, I ended up going back to school, uh, to business school and got my MBA and uh, to really get the foundational knowledge, um, you know, in, uh, in business and management um, and learning about uh, the entrepreneurial mindset and process, right, and then combining that with my already established, uh, you know, systems, system science orientation. Um, and, uh, and that really is kind of what got me into where I am today. I love it. I'm going to ask you kind of, uh, two final questions, Terry. Um, and I'll ask them one after the other, but feel free sure. to respond. So the sure. first one is if you were going to launch your own startup tomorrow, today, even what, uh, would, what problem would you try to tackle? And then just to maybe, um, uh, follow on from that, if you were going to advise your students, entrepreneurs out there to tackle that issue, 
um, how would, you know, what advice would you have for them? That, those are great questions. Um, you know, uh, the first question is a tough one. Um, I've sort of, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, I came to a decision that, you know what, I'm probably better as, as a better off as an entrepreneur as opposed to entrepreneur. I've decided to stay within my field to create change, at least for the foreseeable future. Sure. Um, and, and that really is kind of how I end up launching Firefly Innovations, um, and uh, and we'll see where that takes us. Um, but uh, you know, I uh, have had I, I have had many thoughts about you know potential ventures uh, in the health space uh, in, in 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 years past. Uh, and one of the ideas, which I think still has merits, uh, and maybe one of these days, either I or somebody else who listens to this audio, you know, will go and pursue it. Um, is I'm very interested in um, the circular economy. Um, and uh, uh, so I remember in business school, you know, my team and I, you know, we had designed um, a whole uh, new business um, uh, uh, in, it was, you know, the business was designed to be based in, uh, in Peru, actually, uh, in Latin America. And uh, what we wanted to do was to actually uh, recuperate uh, uh, produce um, that was being wasted uh, in massive, massive amounts um, every day, and which is still happening today around the world. Um, some somewhere around, you know, uh, thirty to fifty percent, you know, of produce uh, that is is just wasted every day, um, and a lot of it is wasted on the farm itself because the produce is not perfectly shaped or colored. Um, a lot of it gets wasted, um, you know, uh, once they're being delivered, uh, you know, to the marketplace. Um, customers don't want to buy, you know, uh, ugly fruits and vegetables, even though they're perfectly fresh um, and healthy. Uh, and then, of course, there's a lot of consumer waste, right? Um, I mean, I think we all have uh, stories to tell um, how things go bad in our fridge. And so, uh, and, and that's not even to, you know, uh, mention uh, the ways that happens um, in restaurants. So we had this idea of basically recuperating um, the waste of uh, produce, uh, you know, that was happening um, at uh, uh, both farms, um, as well as, you know, in wholesale retail. Um, and we would take uh, the produce um, and turn them into prepared meals. Um, so it could be salads, it could be juices, uh, and, you know, and the idea was that the products would be targeted at a uh, professional, um, you know, a, like a working uh, customer base, um, because in places like Lima, um, people work in these central business districts uh, without actually a lot of uh, um, uh, food options. And, um, and, 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 you know, so people generally don't have a very healthy diet, uh, you know, when they're, you know, at work. And so we were going to actually develop, uh, you know, uh, partnerships, uh, collaborations uh, with large corporations uh, in these business districts and, uh, and basically bring, uh, you know, prepare meals uh, and juices uh, directly to the employees. Um, and so anyway, so that's a concept that we had and, you know, we sort of mapped out, you know, the whole business model and business strategy. Uh, and the idea was to really reduce food waste, which is an environmental issue, um, as well as to improve uh, population nutrition.
Um, I don't think any, anything has, you know, uh, that that idea hasn't been uh, adopted by anyone in Latin America, but I think it still has a lot of merits and hopefully, you know, one day uh, somebody will figure out uh, a way to solve the, those dual problems. You know what's interesting? And, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh. Yeah, no, and your I think your second question sure. is like what to impart on students, yeah. right? You know, so I think that we, I, I, I am much more focused on the entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I think that that's the hardest to teach, but in many ways, the most important if our collective goal is to create systems change. And I talked about the complexities um, of public health cha uh, challenges um, that we face today. Um, and we need people who can navigate those complexities. Um, and the entrepreneurial mindset, um, I think is an important element uh, to being able to effectively manage those complexities. Uh, you know, we, uh, we want public health uh, graduates um, to not only be good empiricists, right, to be able to uh, understand and practice science, um, but we also want them to be creative. And, um, and these do not have to be mutually exclusive uh, mindsets or skill sets. And I think that, you know, part of what we're teaching to our students, the ones that take, you know, our entrepreneurship related courses um, is to basically stretch their minds and, you know, not only offering them, you know, a, uh, uh, an additional complementary set of uh, tools uh, that they can use in the future, um, but also to stretch their imagination of what falls under public health to begin with, right? Um, um, but then going, you know, many steps forward um, to really uh, reimagine, you know, who they can work with, uh, what kinds of solutions could be generated beyond kind of the traditional public health programming intervention approaches. Um, and, uh, and, and most importantly, to not be afraid, to not be afraid to, to try to experiment and, uh, and to fail. You know, that is so antithetical to how medicine and public health have traditionally been taught, right? Uh, because it's all about reducing failure, you know, for the most part. Um, um, but here we're saying that, you know what, you know, there are ways to actually fail safely, fail carefully, uh, and learn um, from those failures. And you want to actually fail rapidly and iteratively um, so that you can actually gain the insights, you know, more quickly uh, in order to eventually arrive um, at true innovative solution. Um, that is so different than how public health grants are written. Uh, you know, public health grants don't even get funded until you've already shown feasibility that has very low risk of failing. Right? That's the number one criteria. And, um, and here we're saying that, you know what, um, there's a, a different and, and complementary uh, and contextually appropriate way um, of doing things where you can fail uh, rapidly and safely, uh, and you have to uh, in order to actually arrive at true innovation uh, most of the time. So, so, so those are so that that I think is been the students that I you know worked with. I think it's been really uh, eye opening for them, and you know really kind of. You really see them, you know, widen their eyes and, uh, and, 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 and sort of 
you hear this, you know, a silent wow, you know, they, they, they sit back into their chairs and they're like, wow, I never really thought of that, you know, um, you know, it, 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 it's really thought provoking. Um, so, yeah, so, so that, that I think is, uh, those are the kinds of things that we are teaching our students. And I hope that they will go out there, even if they don't become entrepreneurs and startup founders, um, that will, they will become more effective managers and leaders, um, you know, wherever they are, whatever organization they work in. Um, and we need that kind of people um, in every setting, not only at public health agencies or hospitals, we need them in every setting, um, you know, uh, for-profit, non-profit. Uh, and uh, so that when we, you know, call up the army, you know, we actually have an army of able, effective, uh, you know, creative uh, and systems thinkers and actors, you know, who know exactly what they need to do, who know instinctively how to work with each other uh, in uh, others, you know, from other fields uh, in order to, uh, you know, launch a uh, coordinated um, and strategic response to whatever challenge that faces us. Couldn't agree with you more, Terry. Thank you so much. And I think just the final comments I'll say on that um, would be, you know, first of all, I've heard about the circular economy and entrepreneurship a couple of times over the past couple of weeks. And hopefully you'll hear more about that on one of these episodes coming up. Um, the other thing is absolutely the systems thinking mindset too is just as important for entrepreneurs who are coming into the health sector. It's even more of a complex minefield that you need to uh, find your way and navigate your way through that. And the last thing I'd say is uh, for those of you in health and public health, I couldn't agree more with Terry. I mean, if you want to not only deliver a solution and an intervention, but also make sure it's sustainable and scalable, you need that entrepreneurial mindset. So Terry, thank you so much. Do make sure you thank check you. out um, Firefly Innovations in the link below and also a link if you just want my tips uh, in terms of uh, your startups or health business journey. Terry, it's been a pleasure. I hope you'll come back onto the- uh, Thank show. you so much for having me. Learn more at The Entrepreneur's Doctor www.entrepreneurs.doctor. Better health starts here.